Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where your wish is my command. My parents and I were on vacation a few years back and hanging out at a hotel bar. This place was one of those places that was cheap, but everyone who stayed there thought they were better than everyone else. A couple walked in talking about how nice and quaint the bar looked. They sat down at the table next to us. You were supposed to order your drinks at the bar, then sit down. But since it was a slow night, the bartender walked over and served them. The bartender said, Hi, what can I get you? What wines do you have tonight? The bartender reads off the wine list. Oh, a rose wine would be just perfect. Make it two. Sure, that'll be $15. We're gonna open a tab. Unfortunately, we don't do tabs here. You have to either charge it to your room or pay cash. He throws his room card on the table. Ugh, fine, charge it to that. They laugh as the bartender grabs the card and heads back to the bar. The bartender pours their drinks and brings them back over. The first thing they did was hold up the glasses. Hmm, these are rather small. Do you have any bigger glasses? Unfortunately, those are the standard glasses. Really? We're paying $7.50 a glass and you're going to get chinsy on us? Surely you have bigger glasses. Come on. The bartender was clearly getting annoyed. Okay, I'll go check. He went to the bar and came back out with two glasses that I think were supposed to be for margaritas but were at least twice the size as the wine glasses. He held them up for them. How are these? Oh, those are perfect. Yes, thank you. So the bartender puts the bigger glasses on their table, then takes the smaller glasses and dumps them into the bigger glasses. (laughs) Is there anything else I can help you with? They didn't say anything, just sat there dumbfounded. Great. My parents and I start losing it. We tried not to laugh, but we were all a bit inebriated, I guess. The bartender looked over at us and smiled. My dad gave him an extra $10 tip and said, thanks for the laughs. Don't F with the people who serve your drinks, lol. This story didn't go where I thought it was going. I thought he was going to give them the big glasses, then fill them with wine and charge them extra. But I like this bartender's approach. This is way funnier. Our next Reddit post is from Ars Tarak. Before we begin, dear readers, a brief bit of backstory. I found that every company has a Todd. You'll know who your Todd is because he's who you'll call when you don't know who to call. When the unthinkable happens and everything's on fire and there's no hope of salvation, Todd steps in to fix it. Todd spends his entire time just fixing the unfixable. He's been with the company since the dawn of time, knows the true name of several demons, and was in the room when the old magic was written. Our Todd has an elite team to be on call when stuff breaks. Each team member is the highest authority in the company for one specific thing or another. They're the elite. Their word is law, and to question them is to question Todd. Our story begins shortly after I'd accomplished my greatest goal and became the newest member of Todd's team. Now, my company works with point of sale. We sell computers, software, printers, card readers, and pretty much anything you need to make money from somewhere else. After years working in the call center, I proved myself worthy of Todd's attention. I interviewed, tested, and became the specialist of third-party integration. My focus is the connection between our product and whatever weird stuff your company wants to use. Examples of this include getting smart lights to change on command from ordering kiosks, letting the staff control the new jukebox you bought with their employee ID cards, or getting the sales data for the day to report to your Canadian counterparts in both French and English. But only if someone buys the poutine saw a surprise that day. And other fun conundrums that only the client can fathom. It's important to note that during my time in the call center, I was paid hourly. 
As a specialist, I would be made a salaried employee and would be on call. After accepting the position, I was told that I would have a trial period of one month to prove myself. I would remain hourly, but would have a pay increase to more closely match my expected rate as a salaried employee. I would have the title change and new responsibilities of my job, but I had this month to prove I was worth the extra dinero. The first day of my new job, we get a call from one of our more needy clients. They lay out a series of demands. 1. All of their stores must be upgraded to Windows 10. 2. As each store makes about 10k a day, taking them down for a remodel is not acceptable. 3. All of these upgrades must be done overnight while the store is closed. 4. If the upgrade fails, the store must be rolled back that night so they can open hourly. 5. The window of time to do one of these upgrades is 8 hours. 6. The fastest they've been able to do one is 10 hours. All of this means one thing. They need a specialist to do the upgrades. One that knows their integration. I give Todd the put me in coach nod and a deal is struck. Todd is about to leave on vacation, which leaves me under the control of Steve, the director of the support center, who used to be my boss before I worked for Todd. I'm now on overnights. Four nights a week I upgrade these stores. I supervise two or three technicians who are on-site in separate stores. I do all the software. They do all the hardware. This process is staggered based on time zones, so I generally am pulling 12-hour shifts. The overtime is amazing, especially paired with the raise I got. Fast forward a week or two. The initial badge doesn't go the best. I have a 40% failure rate. This is due to scripts provided by both the client and me by the various third-party companies used by the stores, including their music, food delivery, and credit card processors. Everyone on their side knows who the bad guy is here. Talks are in place, and we're moving forward. A meeting between the client and us is scheduled near the end of the week, right in the middle of my off time. As I said, I'm working 12 hours a day. I live a full hour from work and for security reasons can't do these upgrades outside the office. I have 10 hours to eat, sleep, get up, and eat again before work. Once I get to work, there are no breaks on the upgrade train. No lunch, no stopping. So I get home around 11 a.m. each day. The meeting is set for 4 p.m. I can't get any reasonable sleep before the meeting or after. Steve demands that I be there to account for my failures. I already have another specialist designated as my proxy for these sorts of meetings because sleep is a thing. I also explain that I'm still hourly, but he won't hear it. He insists that I need to be there to explain why the project is going so poorly and that my explanation better not just be throwing other people under the bus. He tries to explain that I'm salaried and therefore need to be there when the company needs me. Especially when I'm the one who's screwing up. Again, I try to remind him of my probationary period, but he won't listen. And there, my friends, begins the malicious compliance. I clock in at 10pm the day before the meeting. I do my upgrades, all three of which are successful due to what I assume is a change in the third party backend. The scripts I'm provided with work perfectly this time, and all goes well. My corporate contact I report to in the morning tells me the meeting is just to go over the new changes to procedure we went through that night, and I'll get the cliff notes in my email. No need to attend the meeting. I thank them and sign out. Then I sit. For six hours, I twiddle my thumbs, take a lunch break and a car nap, and wait for the meeting. When it's time, I walk upstairs to the top floor of the conference room where everyone but Steve is shocked to see me. I calmly take my place and wait for the meeting to start, stating that I was asked to be here. 
The meeting lasts 30 minutes and consists of the new procedure, praise for my diligence, and a quick overview of how the timetable will change because of the past failures. It's noted that my performance has prevented a lot of the sites from failing when they would have otherwise, and the client is pleased with my work. Steve, who had previously blamed me for the failures, sheepishly agrees that I was a good fit for the project. Then, the meeting ends with the best part. The person giving the talk states that she knows I'm asleep right now, so she'll go over the changes with me personally when I get in tonight. Meanwhile, the guy I asked to sit in on the meeting for me will work with them to set up the changes to be deployed. About three hours of work so that it's all ready when I get in at 10. The meeting ends. Steve makes a comment about the changes being done by someone with more experience and hints that it should be my responsibility. I cheerfully say that rather than waste my coworkers' time, I'll just do the changes myself. I have my third or fourth win by now and I'm ready to go. At the end of day two, I've spent 36 hours at work. Caffeine is my only salvation and we're almost done. Near the end, I'm basically waiting for a technician at my last door to finish testing, so I tell him to call me and shut my eyes for about half an hour just to rest a bit. All is well. I get called, everything's green. The vigil is over. Two of my friends insist on driving me home, where I promptly pass out into the most heavenly sleep I've had in ages. I wake up to an email asking me to head into work for a meeting with HR. It's my day off, so I'm kind of perplexed. I head on in and apologize for being fashionably late. The meeting is with head of HR, who has a report that I was sleeping on the job. There's camera footage of my 30-minute power nap. I calmly explain that Steve had asked me to show up to the meeting, and then asked me to stay later to set up the changes. And by the time I took my nap, during what I called my paid 30-minute break, I'd been in the building for 35 hours. I politely remind the HR head that I'm on my trial period, and will be expecting overtime pay for that time. It came out to about 33 hours and change due to my extended lunch break. Todd returned from his vacation and tore Steve a new definition of duties. From then on, he would not be given control over Todd's team when he was away, and we would report directly to the CEO. The project completed without much incident, and I passed my probation with flying colors. OP said that everyone knows a Todd in their company, but I think the truth is everyone knows a Steve in their company. Our next Reddit post is from Pen Name Needed. I was working at a country club where I was being paid almost nothing by hour but having 10% of the client's bill given to me, unless they said that they weren't paying it. So despite the absurd workload, I took the job. Let me say that these people were loaded. Some of the wealthiest folk in the city, spending almost all day eating and drinking while their children would run around or play in the pools. Despite the money, the large majority were nice, really respectful folk, especially the older ones. One fateful sunny Saturday, this man comes in with his family. Let's call him Joe. Joe sits down at the same table as a lot of my regular Saturday clients, a group of older gentlemen who ordered beer after beer and lots of specialty orders from the kitchen. Good day, sir. May I take your order? Sure. Bring me a brand X beer and some ice cream for the kid. Joe's kid was a young boy around nine called Billy, who I'd seen around the club but had never talked to. Joe's wife was Carmen, who just nodded to the husband's request and off I went. Over the course of the next hour or so, every time Billy saw me near him, he would just ask me for another ice cream or soda, etc. Due to the club's rules, I had to go directly to Joe and ask for him to authorize the boys' requests. I was only doing my job, and everyone at the table knew that, using my arrival as an excuse to order more drinks. 
Joe, however, was getting pretty angry, and around the eighth time I arrived at talk, he grabbed me by the arm. I'm trying to have a conversation here. What's the deal now? An old man said, He's just doing his job, Joe. Leave the kid alone. I said, Your son once. Listen, just give him whatever he asks you to get, okay? Just don't bother me again. I look around the table, fuming as Joe let go of me, and see the old man winked at me. Cue malicious compliance. For the rest of the day, whenever the boy asked for anything, I would just give it to him and charge Joe's account. It didn't take long for Billy to realize I wasn't going to his dad, and his requests began to escalate. What started as simple ice cream was now being portions and more portions of loaded fries, sodas, and probably more sugar than any kid could eat. It was already night when Carmen came to me, asking to close their bill. It was monstrous. Joe tried to argue with me and request the manager, but the rest of the table reminded him of his demand to me. He was forced by the manager to pay, since there were multiple witnesses to his orders. And Carmen made him upgrade my share to 15% of their bill as an apology. Needless to say, he never treated me rudely again, and the old guys never let him forget that story. And then down in the comments, Frogspa wrote what I was thinking. I bet Billy vomited in the back of the Jaguar as his dad angry drove back home. Our next Reddit post is from Fanatic Cake. I work at an elite school, and I mean elite, to the level of being the place many actors, politicians, and business people decided to put their children. It costs at least $40,000 a year. With many resources like a makerspace, interactive boards, one iPad per child, and some of the best teachers in the city. I'm an assistant to one of the reference head teachers in lower school, so I saw this happen very closely. My school doesn't have a teacher's lounge, and usually the teachers would only interact during the 15 minutes break or during lunch at the teacher's cafeteria. Since I started, there were things like this, and no one had an issue with it until last week, when we received a message from HR that made everyone extremely angry. Only the specialist teachers and administrative employees are allowed to stay at the teacher's cafeteria during the morning break. Assistants and class teachers are only to have their snack with their students and can grab their coffee in the break room from the janitorial staff. So, that means that out of nowhere, we not only lose one more space where we can rest from the classroom madness, but also we have to basically occupy a space that isn't ours. Janitorial staff also doesn't have a lot of space to rest, so it would suck for everyone. Just to have coffee? Their justification was that since the teacher staff doubled in size since last year, we needed to stop occupying so much of the cafeteria because it was getting too busy, and people were taking too long on their breaks because of that. As far as people knew, nobody made that complaint, and it was pulled out of HR's butt. People were visibly angry, but nobody talked about anything until... That's when the most amazing silent malicious compliance happened for the entire teaching staff. We just grabbed our coffee and sat on the corridor in front of the teacher's cafeteria. Now imagine, just imagine, about 35 to 40 teachers sitting on the floor, everyone with coffee, bread and butter having their break like nothing happened. People would just stop by, see what was happening, and join in. Eventually, we slowly would just start again going inside the teacher's cafeteria and ignoring the HR's orders, which is what made them go back on what they said earlier and allowing everyone to use the cafeteria normally. But the most impressive thing is that no one talked to each other. We just started doing the malicious compliance together like we already knew how to deal with this. I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think that a bunch of people sitting in front of a door could be a major fire hazard. 
So it's also possible that your protest could have gotten your school in a lot of trouble. So it definitely makes sense that HR rolled back the policy because they were fighting a losing battle. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this video, then please let me know by hitting that like button because it really helps my channel grow.